Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast analysing trashy bestsellers from a literary perspective. And today we're looking at chapter 27, 28, 29 and 30 of Allegiant. Where we left off, Nita told Tristan for her plan. Well, she told them a version of her plan. She, she was leaving shit out. And Triss saw right through her lies, but four fell for it. So they had a little fight and to vent, I guess she just beat Caleb up. And then, like, the next day, Nita stormed the Capitol and she had, like, David held at gunpoint. And that's where we pick up with chapter 27 in a Triss POV. So Triss and Matthew are, I think, like, down the hall watching this happen. And Nita's saying, get us in, David, into the weapon room. And David's like, nah. He's like, nah, I don't believe you're actually going to shoot me. I'm going to call you bluff. I'm the only one in this building who knows this information. And you want that serum. And one of Nita's little buddies says, well, okay, we won't shoot you in the head, but maybe we'll shoot you somewhere else. And then that guy looks at Nita, Nita looks at that guy and he's like, yeah. And he shoots David in the foot straight away. And Triss and Matthew are, are still just a whole way away watching this. So Triss says to Matthew, oh, go for help, go get help. And she's standing there with a couple of guns in her hands, still not doing anything just yet. And then the red-haired woman, who might be Mary, the generously framed woman, she says, ah, I'm sick of this, just blow up the doors. And Nita says, no, an explosion would activate one of the backup security measures. We need the passcode. Okay. I'm starting to think Nita's plan was pretty shitty if it all depends on getting this passcode from David, who's never going to give her the passcode. But Nita's, I don't know, workaround is to shoot him up with a mixture of the fear serum and the truth-telling serum. So she gets the needle out. And one of the guys, I think Rafi, he says, I thought you said that stuff doesn't work on him because he's a GP. And she says, I said he could resist it. Not that it didn't work at all. And it's like, well, what's the point of shooting him up with a fear serum slash truth-telling serum if he can resist it? Like what, what? But she says, David, this is a very potent blend of truth serum and fear serum. I'm going to stick you with it if you don't tell us the passcode. And I don't know why she's like threatening to use it. Just use it then, Dal. And why mix the fear serum with the truth serum together? Just stick him with the truth serum. I mean, it's all a moot point because he can resist it anyway. So he's probably thinking, yeah, I I don't care. Stick me with it. I'm going to be resistant. And David just says, look, Nita, I know this is the fault of your genes. So I'm not going to hold it against you. Why don't you just stop now and then I'll help you. And she's like, no, don't, don't be knocking my genes, buddy. So she sticks the needle in his neck. And then lo and behold, he does not resist the serums. <sighs> okay, so the serum works perfectly. And because it's a mixture of the fear serum and the truth serum, 
He starts screaming at whatever visions he's having. He's fucking terrified. And it's like, yeah, how are you going to interrogate someone who's knocked up with fierce serum, Nita? Why didn't you just knock him up with a double dose of truth serum, you idiot? And now Nita's like, David, David, I can make it all stop if you just tell us how to get into this room. Do you hear me? And I don't think he does because he's seeing visions of something. So Nita's shouting at him being like, tell me the passcode, tell me the passcode. And he says, her, her, the name, her. And then he points at Triss. And okay, I don't know if he's just pointing at some random vision in front of him and Triss just happens to be in front of him, just watching this happen and not acting at all. Or he's registering her and she has something to do with the passcode. Like the passcode's Triss prior forever or something like that. But we'll never know because I guess now that he's blown up Triss's spot because Triss was just standing there under an invisibility cloak or some shit, they must see Triss now. So she starts to fire. She's like, all right, I better put a stop to this. I've been a peeping Tom for too long. I better start acting. So she goes pop, 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 pop and shoots around. She nips Nita in like her side. So she doubles over and Nita's like, Triss, what the hell are you doing? So then she gets David. They're not firing back at Triss. I guess the element of surprise or something. I don't know. They're just letting Triss take control of David. But then she really goops and gags them because she puts the gun to David's head and she's like, hey, you shoot me. I'm going to shoot him in the head. And they're like, what? We thought you were here to protect him. And she's like, nah. (laughs) She's like, I'll do anything to stop the murder serum from getting into murderer's hands. And so David, he's like, oh, geez, he can't catch a break. He's having a bad day. But then the buxom, generously framed woman, she's like, uh, yeah, bluffing, Triss. So she fires and she hits David above the knee of his other leg. Oh my God, poor David. Now both of his legs have been shot. He collapses. She dives. A bullet goes past her. I think she gets shot in the arm or a bullet grazes her arm. And so she just starts popping off bullets down the hallway. She's like, pop, 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 pop. She grabs David. So she's back to protecting David. She starts to run, but then they get rescued by Matthew and his people. So Matthew really did a great job of going to get help and coming back with help quite quickly. And she's like, I did it. I did it. And that's the end of that chapter. And then we go to chapter 28, which is also a Triss POV, but it's a bit later on because she's in the hospital. And she says, it's a bit chaotic. People are running around. She had checked all the hospital beds for Tobias, but she couldn't find him. And then she says, Uriah is not here either. He is in one of the other rooms and the door is closed. Not a good sign. And I'm thinking, I thought he was bits and pieces scattered in the wind. I thought he was a goner, but apparently he's still hanging in there. Although behind a closed door, so that's not a good sign. And I'm like, yeah, Tris, the sign that isn't good is how you saw him get blown up. So a nurse is trying to tend to Triss and she's like, don't worry about me. And the nurse is like, you have a head wound. You're bleeding a lot. And she's like, oh, am I? (laughs) She's like, I forgot about that cut on my head. And she's like, yeah, you need stitches. And she's like, all right, stitch me up. So while that's happening, she's watching people running past with gauze and snapping on rubber gloves. It's just a regular old episode of ER or something. And so she says to the nurse, any updates on David? And she says, yeah, he'll live, but it will take him a long time to walk again. And she's like, but it could have been worse without you. Good one. And Triss is like, oh yeah, no, there's nothing. Knowing that she, <laughs> one, threatened to kill him <laughs> and also was using him as a human shield. She doesn't reveal that. And so Triss fills us in that what she's gathered is that there was another explosion set off at the same time as the one she witnessed 
Both were diversions. And then the attackers came in through the underground tunnel, which she knew about. But she's like, Nita never mentioned blowing holes in walls. And then she sees Nita get pulled in to a room at the end of the hallway. And she's groaning. She's clutching the wound in her side. And Tris says, I feel strangely separate from her pain. It's like, well, how is that strange? I mean, you're not her. I don't know why you would feel connected to her pain. So now that she's patched up, she goes for a walk. She's still looking around at everyone getting treated. She finds Christina. She's sitting in a waiting room outside of the emergency ward. And they catch up and Tris tells her, there's no update on Uriah. I couldn't get into the room. I'm honestly gooped, gagged, a gog and aghast that he's still alive at this point. I thought he was blown to smithereens, but he's hanging in there. Good for him. And Christina's like, oh, they're making me crazy. They won't let me see him. It's like they think they own him and everything that happens to him. And it's like, it's not that uncommon for doctors treating someone who's just been blown up to maybe not let that patient have guests. She's making it like that's a bureau specific thing, but like, no, Dal, that's pretty standard practice. But Tris says, oh, they work differently here. Like, uh, from what experience do you have, Tris, that you're basing that off of? Like, she says, they work differently here. I'm, I'm sure they'll tell you something when they know something more concrete. And Christina's like, well, they might tell you, but they're not going to tell me because I have shitty genes. And Tris is like, well, that might be the case. So they sit down next to each other and she's like, oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to comfort Christina. I don't know how to talk to her now that I've got all this GP privilege and she doesn't and there's nothing that we can do about it. And she says, all I can think to do is be near her. And I'm thinking, oh, that's lovely. She's just going to sit in camaraderie with her friend while they wait to hear if Uriah's dead or not. And then she says, in the very next sentence, I have to find Tobias, but I'll come back after and I'll sit with you when I do, okay? So she said, all I can think to do is be near her. And then the next line was dialogue of her saying, all right, deuces, gotta go. I'm gonna pop out for a bit. I'll be back. Does she not see how that contradicts what she just said? And then Christina's like, oh God, didn't you hear? And she's like, hear what? And she's like, oh, Tobias got arrested. (laughs) Yeah, he was with the invaders. Apparently he was in the control room before the attack. He was disabling the alarm system. And okay, Tris knows all this. Why is that a shock to Tris? And so then that chapter ends and she's like, I need to talk to him and I know what I need to say. So then we go to chapter 29, which is a Tobias POV. God, we're really flying through it, aren't we? So he and the other rebels are being guarded. They've got um, plastic cable ties around their wrists. He's with Reggie and Reggie's like, how you doing? And he's like, yeah, not fucking great, Reggie. Mary and Rafi are there. Rafi nods at him to be like, well done. And he's like, thanks, Rafi. He narrates like, if I did well, why do I feel sick to my stomach? Because you got played, mate. You got played by a pretty girl and your girlfriend called you out. She said this was all smoke and mirrors and you didn't listen and you went through with it. You got played. That's why you feel like you're sick to your stomach. But Reggie's like, listen, don't worry. Nita and the fringe people attack in the fall. We're good. And he's like, okay, thanks, Reggie. And then he tells us, that they had a backup plan for their probable arrest. And he's not worried about its success. He's like, yeah, I know I'll be fine. He says, what I'm worried about is how long it's taking them to deal with us and how casual it has been. They've been sitting against a wall in an empty corridor since they got caught. No one's come to tell them what will happen or to ask any questions. He hasn't even seen Nita yet. So he just thinks, oh, what did we do? Was what we did worse than I thought it was going to be? And he's like, 
have people died? He's like, I'm getting the vibe that people have died. And he's like, am I responsible for people's deaths? So he says to Reggie, he says, Nita told me they were just going to steal some memory serum. Like, was that true? And Reggie's like, uh, uh, about that. But he doesn't want to say it out loud because a guard's standing right there. So Reggie's like, yeah, kind of don't want to incriminate myself, bud. But I'll just give you a little look, like a little, like a little, huh? Look? Like, really? You really thought this was just over some memory serum, you idiot? And then he's like, oh my God. Oh, I already know it in my gut. I know it. She was lying. Tris was right. He's like, wow, how didn't I see that coming? <laughs> and then the guard's like, hey guys, no convos allowed, please. Shut up. So then Four says, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you just told me to shut up, but let me ask you, the guard, some questions. I'll have a follow-up on that. And he says, what's going on? What's happened? And the guard's like, ah, uh, like you don't already know. You're the one that's planned this rebellion. Shut up. But then Triss walks into the hallway. So I think, what, what is this dog and pony show? They're just letting everyone walk around. They've arrested a bunch of terrorists and they're just letting new girl Triss, new girl on the block, she's just allowed to walk up and say hi. Like, have we not got any security guards? Well, we do apparently, but none of them looking out and keeping these terrorists separate from the civilian population. What's going on here? And Triss has a piece of paper in her hand and a guard's like, oh, hey, Triss, what are you doing? And she says, oh, hey, um, I got a message. I got a message. One of the guards is like, you can't be here, doll. And the other guard's like, don't you recognize who that is? That's the girl who saved David. And they're like, oh, of course, come on in. So, okay. And Triss is like, oh, I'm here with an update from David. He's in recovery. He'll live, but they're not sure when he'll walk again. And most of the other injured have been cared for. And they're like, cool, cool, cool. And she's holding a piece of paper that she gives to one of the guards. Even though I think she just said the update out loud. So I don't know what's written on the piece of paper. And that just makes Four feel worse. He's like, whoopsie daisy. Now David can't even walk. Like, what did I do? So then Tris says to one of the guards, she's like, hey, I just got to talk to that guy over there. And the guard, she's like, oh God, we're really not meant to. Kind of goes against protocol. And she goes, oh, it'll just be for a second. Like, just let me talk to this guy for a second, please. And the other guard goes, ah, let it do it. What could it hurt? And so the guard, Shelly, she's like, ah, all right then. All right. You know what? You ask for a second. You can have two minutes with that little criminal. I'll go on, have a chat. Have a private chat. I'll just be over there. I'm not, I'm not even going to hear it. I'm not going to listen. You've got full privacy. Take as long as you need. I love how accommodating all the guards are. Remember when Four was breaking Triss out of prison earlier in this book? And the guard was like, oh, hey, Four, how you doing? And he's like, yeah, good, thanks. Just going to break a prisoner out. And they were like, whatever, Four. Oh, whatever you got to do, bud. Here to help, here if you need. So Triss comes forward to him and she's avoiding eye contact. And he's like, oh, Triss. And she's like, oh, what? You want to know what your little friend, your pretty little friend with the ponytail, you want to know what she did? And he's like, well, yeah. And she says, they weren't after the memory serum, idiot. They were after poison, death serum so that they could kill a bunch of important government people and start a war. And he's like, oh, geez, a war. I had no clue. (laughs) How did you not have a clue, bud? He's like, I didn't know. And she's like, I was right. And you didn't listen again. And she says, Uriah was standing right in front of one of the explosives. He got blown up and and he's still unconscious. And then they're not sure if he's going to wake up actually. And so like that hits Tobias like a brick to the face. And he feels bad, but I'd be like, hold up. So he was blown up 
and they're not sure if he's going to recover, but he's, he's being looked after and he's just unconscious. I'd be like, what, what are the injuries here? How close was he to this explosion? I, I just wish someone would clear that up for me. And so he's like, oh no, not Uriah. I still remember his face at the choosing ceremony. I remember when he jumped into the dumb net at the bottom of the Dauntless Cavern or whatever the fuck. Oh, Uriah, gone forever. Oh no, what am I gonna do? I promised Zeke I'd look after him. I really fucked up, blah, blah, blah. And so she says, he's one of the last friends I have. I don't know if I'll ever be able to look at you the same way again. So, okay, what a way to make Uriah's possible death about you, Dal. And let's just pause for a second because she is very angry at Four because he took a part in this rebellion attack, even though he didn't know the extent of what the fuck was going on. And yet she also let it happen. I think she's absolved herself of a lot of guilt. She was fart-assing around all day knowing that Nita was going to sneak some rebels in. She didn't know about the death serum at this point, but like either did Four. She knew the exact same information as Four did. And just because he actively helped and she did nothing to stop it makes her feel like she's on a high horse. Like, I'm sorry, Dal. You could have stopped it earlier. You were fart assing around chatting to Matthew. And it was only like, what, three seconds prior to the explosion that you were like, maybe I'll do something. Maybe I'll tell David. So like, this is just as much your fault too, to be real. Sort of even worse since you're the one that saw through Nita's lies. He got all swept up in it. You knew she was lying and still did nothing. So maybe you're not as guilty as four, but you're not innocent enough to be bragging about it. So Tris just walks away. The security guard's like, bye Tris, come back later if you need. He puts his face in his hands and then we have a little break and we cut to, we're in the interrogation room. And four is reciting the story that Nita gave him. It's a story that's so close to the truth that he has no trouble telling it. We don't actually hear what he's, confession is, but then the person interrogating him, Angela, she goes, oh, so you didn't know the reason Juanita asked you to disable the security system? And he's like, no. And he's like, I'm actually telling the truth here because I didn't know the real reason. I only knew the lie reason. So I'm telling the truth by saying no. And then he says, they put all the others under the truth serum, but not him because the genetic anomaly that makes him aware during simulations suggests that he could be resistant to serums. So they were like, oh, his truth serum testimony might not be reliable. So they just didn't knock him up with true serum. Like, Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Why wouldn't you just knock him up with it anyway, just in case? Like he'll lie less under the influence of half of a truth serum than under no truth serum. Are you going to run out of truth serum? Why, why are you conserving it? Like they just said that David was resistant to the fear serum and the truth serum, and yet it still worked on him. <laughs> so I don't know why you wouldn't just try. And four has been under truth serum before. I don't understand it. Okay. So they just didn't bother to put him under truth serum. Like why, why have truth serum then? I don't get it. He says, as long as my story fits with the others, they will assume that it's true. But then he says, they don't know that a few hours ago, all of us were inoculated against truth serum. Oh, fuck's sake. He says, Nita's informant among the GPs provided her with the inoculation serum months ago. The inoculation serum, jeepers creepers. That's exactly what Matthew was prattling on about like a couple of chapters ago. Remember that last week? He just slid in how you can be inoculated against a serum. (laughs) And I thought, oh, that'll come in handy later. Like that's, that's knowledge that'll pop up again. And yet here we are. They inoculated themselves against truth serum. If that technology exists, it makes you wonder why they rely on truth serum for interrogations at all. Like, ah, bring back the golden days of waterboarding or something. You just can't interrogate people like you used to with all this like serum technology. It's not reliable. So his interrogator, Angela, she's like, well, how did she compel you to do it? And he's like, oh, we were friends. Um, she's the only friend I had here. She asked me to trust her and I did. He's like, whoopsie daisy, I'm such a dummy. And so she's like, well, what do you think now? And he says, I've never regretted anything so much in my life. And she's like, okay. (laughs) It says, Angela's hard, bright eyes soften a little. And she nods and she goes, yep, well, that's enough for me. She says, your story matches what the others told us. Given your newness to this community, your ignorance of the master plan and your genetic deficiency, we are inclined to be lenient. She says, your sentence is parole. You must work for the good of the community and be on your best behavior for one year. You will not be allowed to enter any private labs or rooms. You can't leave the compound. You've got to check in with a parole officer every month. Do you understand? And he's like, yep, all good. So that's all. He's just disabled the security system. Let rebels come in who have blown up the place, possibly killed people, tried to kill David. I mean, they've hurt a lot of people. And he's getting a year of like good behavior just because he's genetically deficient. It seems like all the GPs think so little of the GDs in the society that they're just like, oh, you GD. Oh, you poor thing. You've got bad genes. Your actions are excused. You committed a heinous crime. Well, you're a GD. Of course you did. No harm, no foul. Even 
some harm, no foul. They're like, we're not going to hold that against you. That's your gene style. So he just gets away scot-free. <laughs> so she says, you're free to go. Like, what? They're not even going to lock him up for like another couple of weeks or something just like to let it sink in. But no, okay. And then she says, don't be so hard on yourself. You're very young, you know. And he's like, yeah, okay. I am pretty young. Thanks. And so he says, what's going to happen with Nita? And she's like, oh, Nita. Well, that's a different story. She says, once she recovers from her injuries, she'll be transferred to our prison and she will spend the duration of her life there. And he's like, oh, so she won't be executed. And she's like, oh my God, heavens, no. She says, no, 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 no. We don't believe in capital punishment for the genetically damaged. She says, we can't have the same behavioral expectations for those with damaged genes as we do for those with pure genes. So they have capital punishment, but only for GDs and not for GPs. So if a GP commits a crime, kill them. But if a GD commits a crime, it's life in prison. Which like the way she says it, like it's so casual. And I'm thinking, well, how many genetically pure people are committing crimes? Because they think genetically pure people are fucking perfect. But if they're out there committing crimes and then getting executed for those crimes, Are they not seeing a trend that perhaps genetically pure people are the same as genetically damaged people? And also you're setting up these elaborate citywide experiments all through the country. You've put a big old fence around Chicago. You've drained the lake (laughs) to facilitate this experiment just to get genetically pure people, to breed genetically pure people over generations, like over a hundred years. And yet you're also so willing to kill the genetically pure people that you have that have committed crimes. Like, why not just be blanket against capital punishment? Like, why have it for some and not for others? I don't get it. And again, I think Four's a bit of a dum-dum because he doesn't try and unpack any of that. He's just like, wow, I guess I am genetically damaged. What a bummer. And he's just thinking like, oh, I wanted to believe that they were wrong about me, but yeah, I guess my genes are shit. So he's just believing the propaganda. And so he starts crying and that chapter ends. So then we go to chapter 30, which is a Tris POV. And she's waiting outside of Uriah's hospital room. Uriah's still hanging in there. How he's not dead, I have no fucking clue, but he's still hanging on. And she says, yesterday, Uriah was transferred from his secure room to a room with a viewing window. She suspects to keep them from asking to see him all the time. So, okay. When I first read that, I was like, oh, how lovely. He's doing so well that he's got a room with a view, like, I don't know, like, uh, like a window for him to look out of, but no, it's a window <laughs> for people to look in and see him. So he's still on his deathbed technically. Um, okay, so he is still struggling. I don't know why I'm so like hung up on this. Like, it's almost as if I want Uriah to die, but it's just like, you know, where I come from, if you're standing next to an explosion, you're fucked. But in, the, in this world, um, you're fine. But then she says, Christina's sitting by his bed holding his hand. So they're not even using the viewing window. She's been let in. And then she says, I thought he would have come apart like a rag doll. Yeah, me too. But he doesn't look that different, except for some bandages and scrapes. Bandages and scrapes. Okay. When she said explosion, I must've just pictured like an actual explosion, but maybe it was just firecrackers or something because this guy's not injured at all. She says, I feel like he could wake up at any moment, smiling and wondering while we're all staring at him. She's like, it looks great. Couple of scrapes. She looks in worse shape. Oh, okay. Looks can be deceiving. All right. So Kara's there having a chat with Tris and Kara says, 
that there is some brain damage. Even though he looks perfect, he looks fine, he looks great, uh, there's, a, there's a chance that he might be brain dead. Kara says there's some evidence to suggest uh, that he can still hear us. He can hear us if we talk to him, but uh, I've been told that his prognosis is not good. And Trist does not like hearing that. She's like, fucking Kara, this erudite bitch with the facts, never softening a blow. She's got horrible bedside manner. She says, sometimes I want to smack her. <laughs> she's like, as if I need to be reminded that Uriah is unlikely to recover. So she's just like, ugh, whatever, Kara. Okay, you killed her brother. Like, can you not just give her some grace? So she doesn't pussyfoot around with language. Like, okay, that's how she was raised, dull, let her be. So then she tells us that after she went and yelled at Tobias, she was wandering around the compound and she didn't tell Tobias that it was the end of our relationship, but she says, I meant to. But when I was looking at him, the words were impossible to say. So she's really gonna break up with him over this, over this of all things. He's tried to kill her. She's tried to kill him. They've killed each other. I actually don't know if that's true, but I I feel like they've been through a lot. And to just break up over this is a bit like, oh, come on, come on, work through it. Go to counseling. So Kara says to her, oh, I hear you saved the bureau. You seem to get involved in a lot of conflict. (laughs) Imagine that being what you're known for, like most likely to get involved in a conflict. And Kara says, I suppose we should all be grateful that you were steady in a crisis. Yeah, it's that steadiness that killed your brother though. Like, are, are you thinking about that? And Tris, I think, just hates Kara because instead of just being like, haha, thanks, Kara, she goes, I didn't save the Bureau. I have no interest in saving the Bureau. I just kept a weapon out of some dangerous hands. That's all. It's like, oh my God, calm down. And then she says, wait a minute, did you just compliment me? And Kara's like, well, yeah, I did. Then you jumped down my throat, so I don't feel great about it. Kara just says, uh, yeah, I'm capable of recognizing another person's strengths. Like, take a chill pill. And she says, additionally, I think our issues are now resolved, both on a logical and an emotional level. So, okay, she no longer resents Triss for murdering her brother. Great. We've got closure on that. And it was, it was this incident that, that did that for her. Kara and Triss were locked up in a prison for, I don't know, a couple of weeks together. They couldn't nut it out then, but then Kara was like, you know what? You saved David's life. A guy I just met, you know what? We'll call it even. Say so you killed my brother, big whoop. Logically and emotionally, we're good. And then, oh, because Kara's erudite, she loves to study and know information and hear things. So she says, it sounds like you know something about the Bureau that has made you angry. I wonder if you could tell me what it is. And you know what? She is annoying. Like, just say, hey, what's going on with the Bureau? Fill me in. Instead, she's like, I wonder if you could tell me what it is. Just ask, doll. Be more direct. Uh, you know what? Triss is right. Kara's annoying. And Triss is pissed. So she says, I wonder too. She goes, I wonder. We may never know. <laughs> so that shoots Kara down. <laughs> and so then Kara, she's like, hmm, maybe I should say please then. So Kara's picking up on Triss's tone, but she's persisting. <laughs> so she's like, okay, please. Actually, she doesn't actually say please. She just says, maybe I should say please, but then she never says it. So Triss is like, fine. You know Janine's simulation serum. Well, it wasn't hers. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's easy enough to explain. But no, she goes, come on, I'll show you. It'll be easier that way. 
What? You did just tell her. All you had to say was the Bureau gave Janine the simulation serum that killed all the abnegation and overtook the free will and determination of the Dawnless people. They gave it to her. Done. Finito. Super quick summary. And she's like, you know what? Uh, I can't explain it. Even though I half explained it just then. I'll show you. It'll be so much easier if I get that orange liquid, put it under a microscope, run it through a computer program called Microcode, let you read the code, and then let you fill in the gaps about how this orange liquid made its way into the Bureau compound. Even though we have all come from the city and made our way to the Bureau compound, there's no way that anyone traveling between the Bureau compound and the city could have carried that vial. So ergo, that vial must have been given from the compound to the city because serums can only travel in one direction. So that's irrefutable proof that this Bureau gave Janine that simulation serum. I have to show you. I can't explain it any further. I have to show you. So they start walking towards the lab. And I guess, uh, yeah, there's no security at this bureau. No wonder the compound just got invaded. Like they, they don't take very strict measures, do they? I mean, like Tobias is walking free already. I guess anyone can access this lab with, with the serum stored in it. So she starts leading her down into the labs. And Kara says, well, you know what? I guess we'll never reach the end of these deceptions. <laughs> we keep getting lied to and strung around. It's crazy. She says, first the factions, then the video Edith Pryor left us. They were all lies designed to make us behave a particular way. And if I were Triss, I'd be like, yeah. And do you think we're also being manipulated right now? Like, what do you think's going on? You're smart. Explain to me your perspective on everything that's been happening. But instead, Triss is like, Oh, is that what you think of the factions, hey? That they're all a lie? I thought you loved being an erudite, just, you know, being aggressive. Because she doesn't like Kara because she's an erudite. Kara can forgive Triss for killing her brother, but Triss can't forgive Kara for just being an erudite. What a douche. Triss is a douche. And Kara's like, well, yeah, I did like being an erudite. I mean, calm down and I'll explain it. She says, but the Bureau uh, made me feel like a fool for fighting for the faction system. She's like, oh, being a legion, everything that being a legion stood for, I feel like an idiot. And Triss is like, well, the allegiance stuff got us out of the city, so I've got to give it that. It got us to the truth, and that's better than being factionless. Even though she's, she's still fucking factionless. And Kara's like, yeah, well, I guess I just pride myself on being someone who can see through things, the faction system included. And Triss says, well, you want to hear a fun fact about what the abnegations say about pride? Like, oh God, she's a, she's a fun person to talk to, isn't she? And Kara's like, okay. And she says, well, they say it blinds people to the truth of what they are. Which I, I don't know if that's the pep talk you think it is, Triss. And Kara's just like, you know what? Erudites say something similar, more or less. And she's like, whoa. She's like, I never thought the erudite would say anything about pride, that they would even concern themselves with morality. And she's like, oh, I guess I'm wrong. I get, maybe you're wrong about a lot of things, Triss. Maybe ask people questions instead of assuming what they think or don't think about pride. So then they get to the door of the lab. The lab door opens and there's Matthew and it says Matthew's chewing on an apple core. Yuck. What? An apple core? See, I'm not a huge fan of apples, but whenever I've had an apple, I'll have like, you know, I'll do one loop around the apple button around the perimeter. And then as soon as I even get close to the core, 
as soon as I'm like an inch away from it, I'm like, and then I chuck it out. Call me wasteful, sue me, but I cannot stand to get anywhere near an apple core. And here's Matthew chewing on an apple core. And Tris says, oh, can you just show us to that storage room where we're hiding the super secret attack simulation evidence? Um, I need a Shakara something. It's like, I need a Shakara something. Obviously you're showing her the super secret attack simulation evidence. Like what else are you showing her in the storeroom? The cleaning products. Like, way to be coy, Tris. And he just nods and he's like, yeah, of course. I see no problems with that. Even though the last person I just let into this storeroom was Nita, who tried to kill David yesterday. Yeah, of course, come on in, come on in. And then he bites off the end of the apple core. Uh, uh. And then it says, I cringe imagining the bitter taste of apple seeds and follow him. And that's the end of the chapter. Why did we get all that scenery of him chewing on an apple core? What, what's that about? Is she alluding to like apples as a metaphor for the forbidden fruit, forbidden knowledge, Garden of Eden type crap? Is that, that's all I can think of. Or, or, or is she just indicating that Matthew's a disgusting, gross person? Also, Matthew's had a big couple of days, hasn't he? And he's still just floating around that lab. Can Matthew get a day off? I don't know. Maybe I'm just trying to read into it because that is just the most bizarre ending of a chapter we've ever had. I cringe as he's eating apple seeds. Uh, okay. I mean, what a cliffhanger. We're going to open up the next chapter with someone eating a banana skin. Like I'm, I'm hooked. I'm hooked, Veronica. What's going to happen next? All right, let's leave it there. I'll catch up with you guys next week where, I don't know, maybe we'll find out if Uriah's actually dead or alive. We'll get a definitive death scene for Uriah. Or he's just going to hang in there. Who knows? I'll see you then. Bye. Send your burning thoughts, frustrations, and grievances on this latest chapter of this shitty book to breakingdownpod at gmail.com or on Twitter at podbreakingdown and Instagram at breakingdownbadbooks. You can visit www.breakingdownbadbooks.com for all the listen links, contact information, merch, and more. To support the show on Patreon and gain access to exclusive ad-free bonus episodes, visit patreon.com slash breakingdownbadbooks. Ratings and reviews on your preferred podcast platform are also a fun, free way to support the show. Breaking Down Bad Books is hosted by me, Nathan Brown, who you can follow on Instagram and Twitter at NathanBrown90. Thanks for listening and happy reading. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.